Coffee's ready. Guest is ready. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Prodigy Podcast. We are on episode 37. 37. I just checked. Yes, 37. Um, and for once, I've got the person in front of me. Um, Jonas Grace, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, if you do hear the clinking of uh, glasses, it's because we've, we're not. it's not just for ambiance. Um, we are actually having a cup of tea because even though I am a coffee fiend, uh, Jonas is not. And he is, uh, he is a tea drinker, so I've made him some Turkish tea. Yeah, plus it's, it's my first time having Turkish tea, so it yeah. seemed like it had to happen, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I mean, we were just talking about before, uh, not to talk, as we're going to not talk about MMA for the first thing of this, <laughs> is that um, we were talking about the fact that caffeine, caffeine is just like a thing that can be dispensed. Just a legal drug. It's just a legal just drug that everyone just normally has and allowed to yeah, change your psychological or physiological state with a substance, it's fine. And it's fine. Yeah, and you can go and you can mix it with milk or you can put <laughs> chocolate in it, you know, you can just mix it up, it's cool. And some people like like to double up, like yeah, yeah, yeah double yeah, shot. Double, triple espresso, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that's a normal thing. If anything, you get, you're get given more respect yeah, for the like harder of ca- you're coffee hardcore, you do. hardcore, yeah, exactly, yeah. Whereas it's like, could I have two shots of heroin, please? Nah, that's just not so cool. So for those early morning jujitsu or MMA sessions, there's that you never you never go near it. Nah, you know it's always been like a. Um, I've never really struggled waking up. Mornings aren't usually an issue. Like I can usually just get up and, especially if I'm going to meet people, I find that if if I'm going to just like swim by myself or do strength conditioning by myself, I find it a bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. You can sometimes wake up and you got the excuses in your mind. You're like ah. Oh, Maybe I could do it tomorrow. I mean, that'd be okay. I, yeah, I, don't, I should probably. And you start to rationalise in your head, like maybe it'd be better if I did it tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> you know what? I could I could rest today. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. then I'll be better for tomorrow morning. It's not the training you do, right? It's the training you recover from, right? Yeah, it's important to rest. So there's there's those things that can happen. But if you've organised to meet someone for me, like if if I've like, like let's meet up at six and train, there's no question I'm not going to be like sitting there going, oh, bro, I don't want to. So you get up, and usually if I want to get up and I start moving. It's fine, you know, yeah. and then once you get there, even if you get there, it's a bit cold in winter, you've got cold feet, you know, but whatever. But then you start moving and then, I don't know. Yeah, it's not usually a problem once I've started moving. And there's something about, I don't know about you, but as soon as there's, when you're interacting with people as well, you they talk about uh, extroverts and introverts and extroverts get there they get more energy from interacting with people. As mm. soon as I'm in the gym, fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you're, you're there you get energy off other people. You even like, even, even just talking about the fact that you didn't want to be there. You know what I mean? I, I used to swim actually. I haven't since, since the lockdowns and stuff, I haven't, um, we would fall out of the habit, but I swam with this Australian guy called Bill who trains down in New Wave and we'd swim twice a week, sometimes three times a week at um, six in the morning. Uh, later on we changed to 6.30, but early anyway. And we'd always talk about how we both hated getting up. <laughs> we'd he'd pick, come pick me up in the car and we'd sit there and be like, Man, I didn't want to get up this morning, man. That alarm, you know, just hating it. And we're sitting there ready to go in the pool and it's always going to be a hard set. So we're both like a bit, like not stressing, but you're just sitting there like, oh God, this is going to be uncomfortable. We're going to be like, you're going to feel like you're drowning. But then we jump in the pool, you start swimming, you push through that. And at the end, you never regret it. You're always like afterwards, I'm, I'm glad that you were here and made me do yeah. this because now I feel really good. Whereas if... I hadn't organized to do this with you, I probably would have just stayed in bed. Yeah. And, and we accepted that reality that we probably wouldn't do it if it weren't for the other person. So I think, yeah, people definitely help you. And that's, I think, partly why I like things like MMA or Jiu Jitsu, because it's always done with people. You, you don't usually train alone. 
Yeah, it's 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 funny because it's a uh, it's like complete opposites. You you compete on your own where everything that is given worth in terms of like you competing or you progressing is all is all solely on you as an individual. And yet the great thing about jiu-jitsu, MMA, wrestling, all of combat sports is that you can't, I mean, you could get reasonably good if you just, you in a bag, but there's only so... I don't think so. You could you could learn to throw a punch. Yeah, yeah and you, you could be like so insanely conditioned that yeah. you could just go berserk and never tire <laughs> out and you could be super strong. But like to learn the game... I don't think you can learn yeah. the game without someone else because that involves another person. You're you're competing alone in terms of your team, but you're competing against someone. You need to be used to having that interaction with someone of someone yeah. like trying to stop you doing whatever you want to do. The bag never stops you. The bag just sits there and takes hits. So, oh, yeah. What's the Bruce Lee quote? Boards don't hit back. Boards don't hit back. Exactly, don't. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, for those who are still kind of thinking, oh, Man, I know the accent, but I don't know. I don't Where's know. It from? Where's it from? At least they don't have to ask the question. But um, for those who don't know, um, you are originally from New Zealand. Yes. And I mean, that's where your martial arts journey and your combat sports journey began. Yeah. I mean, what did you start out with? Where out there was it grappling? Was it striking? It was karate. It was karate. It was karate. I would say, actually, if we go further back, it was. Um lifting weights in my school gym my high school gym and there was like one of those you know stand-up bags oh, okay you know, the ones that have like a weight at the bottom mm-hmm. just putting on a pair of gloves and just hitting that really <laughs> hard and it feeling good you know what i mean like you hit it really hard and you're like oh i feel like the man you know like hitting this bag yeah. and the bag isn't hitting me back so i'm <laughs> like i'm not having to learn anything i'm just having to like unleash whatever onto the bag teenage anger exactly yeah exactly and so did that enjoyed that and then thought you know what, actually, I'll, um, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should learn how to do this properly. And so I thought, uh, obviously, the first thing you think is karate, right? Mm-hmm. Without knowing anything about martial arts, you just think karate is yeah. the martial art. So I went to a karate school. Uh, I was there for about two and a half years. And I'm not going to lie, I think it was probably an okay foundation in terms of learning the discipline of martial arts because it was way, way more um, formal is probably the word. Like, you know, you're having to say us or senpai or sensei, yeah. having to kneel, having to bow a hundred times for the class, having to do push-ups with your knuckles, counting in Japanese, like all the stuff which now I definitely would not do. There's no way I do that now. But it, it was like learning to just discipline yourself, to be like, I don't want to do this, I'm going to do this anyway. But I wasn't really learning how to fight. And that was the key thing. Like I was learning carters, I was hitting the bag. There was no sparring until green belt, so I never sparred at that gym. And so I thought I was learning how to fight, still lifting weights, still thinking I'm the man, like, you know, still there with a massive ego. And it wasn't until I started thinking, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I was thinking, oh, I'm a good striker, right? I do karate, so I'm yeah. a good striker, but I hadn't been learning the grappling. So let me go to a jiu-jitsu gym, <laughs> go to some jiu-jitsu. And I, I went there and it was a guy, still a very good friend of mine, um, Taylor, who's, he would have been 16 or 17 at the time. I would have just turned 18. I was like 105 kilos again, karate bench press thought I was the man <laughs> he was like I don't know if he was 65 or 70 kilos like he was small and he was younger than me and he looked younger as well and I was went to go roll him and thought yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm slap gonna, the shit out of this guy this guy and um yeah just just got choked repeatedly <laughs> just repeatedly choked just getting angry and angrier like just this little this little guy just schooling me because he had done it for like six months oh, okay. or eight months he hadn't even done it that long and so the moment that happened I realized okay 
I don't know how to fight. That was the re- that was the, the 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 harsh realization. Like I've been doing this martial art for two years, yeah, and I didn't know how to fight. So I fell in love with jujitsu. So that was when I was like, okay, I need to do this. And I, I did keep on with the karate for a little bit, but very quickly that faded away. I stopped doing that, and um, I did the jujitsu. There was boxing at the gym as well, so I would sometimes jump in, oh, okay. jump in the ring, do some boxing. I didn't do that as much, but I was around boxers. I would sometimes spar them and get mashed up by them. Um, there was a couple of us, me, Taylor, and a guy, Matt Dockrell, who um, were keen on doing MMA. So we were doing a bit of MMA training. It was very, very basic. There wasn't really a whole lot of structure there, but um, lots and lots of jiu-jitsu and a little bit of supplementary stuff. And um, that was the start. Yeah, that was that was the start of the journey, basically. That's it's kind of... Uh, well, th- there's, two, there's two interesting things I want to draw out from there. And the first being that you, you touch on a good point is that I mean, I I try not to talk negatively about uh, when I used to do um, Japanese jiu-jitsu, which is in kind of the way you talk about you doing karate is kind of how I felt about the same, exactly. But, you know, the positives that you draw from it, well, you wouldn't be here today if you you hadn't gone down that path anyway. But the other thing is that you you see the formal end of learning. Hmm. It's it's kind of like if, if no one went to school, we're getting philosophical uh we're getting really philosophical philosophical there but if no one went to school you wouldn't know the structure of learning or you wouldn't know how to learn and it's kind of like that it's almost there is sometimes it depends on what jiu-jitsu school if you go to maybe a gracie baja or a a more formal kind of jiu-jitsu school you might get a different style to them when you go to other places uh, no gi only or something like that yeah um but that formality, understanding, right? I get how progression works in this kind of combat sports arena, but now I can, I can be a bit more free with it. Yep. It's kind of giving you more more tools, and I, I like that. I like that, and I respect. And, and you've got to respect other traditional martial arts and how they do things because that's yeah. where it all came from. No, and, and the thing is, something like karate, the karate. I mean, the thing about that type of karate was Sado karate. Okay. So it was an offshoot from Kyokushin, which was basically Kyokushin, but you don't spar to a green belt. It was basically what it was. Oh, okay, so it's like softer Kyokushin, um, but there is still sparring. Yeah, Kyokushin like, is scary. Yeah, yeah. So, but like the, these guys past green belt were sparring. Mm. There was reality to it. They were kicking each other hard. No punches to the head, obviously, yeah. which makes it a bit strange, but it's not like there was nothing to it. But even all that aside, even if there wasn't that, it's like, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with going and doing a martial art where you're not learning to fight, if that yeah. makes sense. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's like there's nothing wrong with going to play badminton. There's nothing wrong with going to dance. It, it doesn't always have to be about, like, realistically, how could I, you know, mash <laughs> someone up with this? It's like maybe you just want to go and learn the kata. You just yeah. want to, like, it's great body conditioning, it's a, it's a martial art. There's a structure to it. There's a community. The community is a big thing. You know what I mean? That, that's that's one difference I've seen with traditional martial arts. There's a different feel. It feels this commercial. Usually, all the teachers are, are teaching for free. Yeah. Everyone's like really enjoying just being part of it. Um, so definitely value. Definitely value. The, the only problem I have is when you're in a school like that, and people are trying to pretend like. It's the only it's, way. It's the only yeah. way. Or like, oh yeah, well with this I could smash this. And what, what I find is that the more you step away from there being reality, because in, in the karate gym I was in, there was none of that. The guys weren't there sitting so thinking they were hard. 
they were just yeah. like, well, we do karate. Yeah. Whatever. This you know, is like, karate and karate this is sword. this world. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's fine. But that's, I think, because they did actually spar. Mm-hmm. And they, they were in touch with a bit of the reality of what fighting is. I find the more you step away from there being sparring and there being that reality, the more you start to get the talk of, well, you know, if there's a knife and well, if there's a gun and if this, and it's like, yeah, but you don't spar. Bro. Yeah. You don't, you don't get punched ever. Like you, you, when are you ever dealing with a situation where someone's actually trying as hard as they can to hurt you under no matter what rule set it is? I think the different rule sets have different advantages, like you know, whether it's wrestling or judo or kickboxing or boxing or MMA. There's different rule sets. There are different games people play. But ultimately, there's a rule set. Within that rule set, you're trying to smash the other person in that rule set. Mm. And you both try as hard as you can to smash each other. If you don't have that element in your martial art... It's not tried or tested. Exactly. You can't test it. And it, like you say, it leaves space for, well, if I had this pistol yeah. in my hand, <laughs> yeah. I could disarm you by touching I, these different points in your palm. Exactly. And, yeah. Or like I can touch in these places or, or it's not, it doesn't even need to be something crazy like a no touch knockout yeah. or the pressure points, but just like if they strike you, you do this and then you do that and then you yeah. manipulate and then you trip. And it's like, you've just shown like a, like an eight move sequence off this person throwing a punch and they haven't done anything since that punch. It's too, it's too like, yeah. it's too abstract. It's, it's not like, it's not real enough. So it wasn't like that in the karate gym, but it was, there was definitely a lot more of the, the bowing, a lot more of the respect. And I think that that also isn't bad because like, for example, even, even in an MMA or a jiu-jitsu gym, like something like, you know, just, just cleaning the mats is something where like, I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't need, in some commercial gyms, the mats just get cleaned by cleaners and that's cool. But like, I don't mind the day everyone yeah. chipping in and being like, okay, you've 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 done your training now, now let's just clean up the place that we train, like Mr. Miyagi style. And maybe that's because I started in karate, that I've still got that mindset of there being that sort of respect for the place you train. And, and the but I think that's that community aspect. And it's, yeah. it's what draws, uh, it's what, especially since lockdown and things like that, people have grown to respect a bit more about and or, or grown to appreciate a bit more about their gyms and about where they train, whatever they do. Again, it can be, it doesn't have to be a combat sport. It could be badminton. It could yeah. be whatever. It could be a swim club. Mm. Um, it's, oh, suddenly I am meeting with these group of people and we are connecting and, and growing together as people. Yeah. And, um, and, and not having that is, is suddenly quite a, a loss for some people. Yeah. Um, not telling me that I can't train is like telling an alcoholic they can't drink. You know what I mean? Like if you're like, oh no, you're not going to be able to go and train with anyone. I mean, I just end up doing exercise by myself because it's the next best it's thing. It's not the it's same. Not, it's not the same at all. Eh? It doesn't fill the same needs at all. Um, so yeah, I think definitely the lockdown for a lot of people made them appreciate that it's like the value of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> before we move on, I mean, karate, karate has kind of had a re- resurgence as well. We've seen kind of, uh, oh, I've forgotten Bass Root and Show thing, Karate Combat or whatever Oh, it is, yeah, that's cool. Which yeah. is very cool. Yes. And karate was in the Olympics, which I was uh, I was, I was for for the striking side, not so much for the cutter. Yeah. It, it felt a bit like dressage, but mm. for karate. Yeah. No, it's no uh, disrespect to the cutter. It's just, it didn't feel very Olympics-y for me. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the the striking stuff and like and that karate combat stuff that's so, show i love the um the arena for it i was gonna say the, the pit the, the pit, pit as they yeah. call it I'd, I'd love to fight in the pit i think it would be different it'd be cool to be able to use like the pit it's not it's not a wall right it's like no. a slope 
And so there's different ways where like, if you could do ground and pound, if you could do jujitsu, you could, you could run off it. I don't know. There's these ways that people could probably use it differently to a cage. Well, have you seen, they put up like a short video of where someone was essentially leaning on it. Their back was against it, but because there, it's not like a cage where it's got any bounce to it and it's at a far deeper angle, they're essentially doing like up kicks, yeah, but yeah. then they were able to kind of angle themselves up. It was really, it was fascinating stuff. Also, have you seen this? I'm not sure if they've done it to all the fights, but there was at least, at least one fight or a couple where they added, um, like the the effects yes have you seen that yeah, they're yeah. like coming in they've got like the, the effects and they obviously it's, it's like an after edit and so when the person's about to get like a knockout punch they charge up like electricity and it's like like a video game and i thought that was it's a bit of a gimmick but it does mean that for again people that maybe aren't that into martial arts you i'm can here like, for it yeah, yeah it's, it's cool it's yeah. cool it just it just makes it look like just yeah just cool <laughs> just, just sick so let's let's touch on a an interesting topic what brought you from beautiful new zealand all the way to training in croydon with new wave i'm not i'm not saying anything bad about croydon what i'm saying is that it may not be as green as lush definitely as not zealand. as green and lush as new zealand, <laughs> that's for sure um it was a girl it was a girl actually so moved over here for a girl i mean i'd wanted to leave dunedin for a while um, you know, I had this urge to go to go someplace else mm-hmm. to, to go. Originally, it was going to be Australia. Um, that didn't end up happening. I had dreams of Canada. Still, sort of do. Um, I'd never dreamt of London. I'm not going to lie. It was, just, <laughs> it was never something that was like. I don't blame you. I don't blame mind. you. Like honestly. London to me always seems sort of grey and built up, and I've come here and it's grey and built basically up. Basically that, yeah, <laughs> which was fine. Um, but yeah, so there was a girl that I knew who was back and forth. She was based over here, and she said, "Why don't you come here?" And so I did. And we were there for a bit, but then obviously things didn't work out. Um, and then I moved, so I was living in Bromley then, but then I moved to Croydon. And I, by that time I was already training at New Wave, and that's why I actually moved to Croydon. Lived in Croydon for a bit, and then I moved back to Beckenham, and I'm still just training at New Wave because it's still still close. Still but, home. Yeah, so sort of I guess the fact that I ended up in southeast London was just luck. That's just where she was, you know, and so once I was here, I just made the most of it. I'd um I tried a couple of places, a couple of other gyms, um, but when when I came to New Wave, I just felt like a good a good energy. Yeah. What what was it? Was there was it just that energy that made it feel like home? It was the energy, and it was the fact that the other gyms I'd been in, one was not a grappler's gym. There was no mat hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people walking with their shoes. Like I went there to do a boxing class, and. We were just, there was just like one mashed area that everyone was skipping on in their shoes. And then we went outside to skip outside and our shoes then walked back in and I was like, nah. I'm never grappling here. And which, if I can't grapple in the gym, I'm not going to go to the gym. Like yeah. I want a gym that I can grapple in. Then I went to a judo club actually for a bit because I was thinking, well, okay, I'm not going to go to that gym. Where can I train? Went to a judo club. And that was actually really cool. That reminded me a bit more of the karate club in terms of the community feel. Yeah. In terms of most of the people there, it wasn't like... It's different to an MMA gym. We have a bunch of fighters, right? And everyone's there, like, wanting to fight. And it's it was more just like a bunch of people that wanted to do judo. And there were some good people, some not so good people. It was a good mixture. I learned I learned a bit, actually. Um, but ultimately, it didn't satisfy that need that I had to be in an MMA gym and to, to do jiu-jitsu and do all that. And so I was doing that. And I probably would have kept doing that, to be fair, if I hadn't stumbled into New Wave. Felt the energy, um, the way I was greeted, the way I was welcomed, and then also just the way that I could train. 
there were fighters, there was jujitsu going on, there was MMA. I was like, ah, oh, okay, this is this is nice. I can get I can get hard rounds and I can strike, I can grapple, I can do everything I want to do. Yeah. So I just fell upon it, and I'm, I'm glad I did because it's been like a home for me, you know. And there's um, there's something about the fact that although it is you said like oh there's fighters there rather than there is a there is a homely aspect about uh, about the fact that when there is especially somewhere like New Wave which is predominantly people who do compete I'd say um, there is a, a community aspect about the fact that you're all kind of chasing the same thing albeit yep. maybe in different weight classes and different journey, parts of your journey yep. yeah I would say uh, probably a less um, a less stable community than one which is like a super traditional martial art where you might have people that have been coming to the same karate club for 20 years yeah. they'll just keep coming like and obviously with fighters it's a bit more volatile because generally they're younger and generally like you're saying they're chasing after something so they, they move things things change and that's that's the nature of it but you're right that when you're training with an MMA team and everyone's fighting and everyone's competing and everyone's like in it yeah you bond over that you bond over the the suffering and over the, the hard training and the successes the losses you, you bond over it and it's that's what I wanted so when I stumbled a new wave that's what I found and then um everyone's nice there as well that's the other thing is that you, you can go to gyms where people are like a bit dodgy you know yeah. like you, you just get a bad vibe you know I'm not sure if I'd I don't need to come back here you know what I mean like I'd much rather be in a place where everyone's happy and training hard and you know trying to, to mash each other up but but being friendly about it, there's no yeah. need to to be dicks to each other, and 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 reveling in your success as well, and mm. like people who kind of if you if you land a big takedown or if you're doing really well, they're like, oh, they look at you and they go, that's amazing, like yeah, they yeah. can see you see what you're doing. That's especially since um since Sid come, there's been and there's been more resting at New Wave, so there's been some good sessions on whether it's Saturday or a Wednesday when when everyone's wrestling and. And everyone's watching, even the people on the red mats. You know, everyone's sitting there just watching the wrestling rounds go on. And somebody does something cool. It's like, whoa, <laughs> sick. You know, like a big, a big throw, or even just like good scrambles. It's, I think that's what everyone's there for. Everyone's there for those moments, yeah. right? And whether it's you doing it or whether it's you watching it, it's it's nice. Yeah, it, it, it's it's entertainment. <laughs> exactly. It's entertainment. On and off the mats. Yeah. And had you competed? So you you'd done some competitions while you were in New Zealand. Had you come to London with the the hope that you'd continue competing when you were over here? For sure, yeah. So a, a big part of why I left New Zealand was because I wanted to be in a place where I knew there'd be more, you know, I guess more training, uh, more competitions, like just just more activity. I mm -hmm. guess more activity because the thing about New Zealand is like I had good training partners back there, and there's, you know there's some guys that are still there that are like legit and a good crew but to compete it's, it's i mean it's changing now I'm, I'm seeing i'm keeping in touch with them, obviously and things are changing but you, you just can't compete as much it's, yeah. it's too geographically isolated even where i am in new zealand is right down the south the south island okay and most of the people are in the north island centered around auckland and some other cities in the north island so for us to compete we were flying to the north island to compete you know what I mean? So it's it's like <coughs> it's like if you had to catch a train to Manchester every time you wanted to compete. Yeah, it's just right? not viable. You do it sometimes, but if if there weren't any competitions here and every single comp you had to do was in Manchester, you just sit there and go, "This is a pain." Or Australia, you know, you had to fly North Island, or you had to go compete in Australia, which is even more expensive. So coming here, I'd, I'd competed before, one local competition, two local competitions, 
I'd gone to one up in Auckland, no, two up in Auckland. I'd gone to a couple in Australia. I'd gone for two weeks and done a competition each weekend. So I'd done a bit. I'd fought a couple of times. I did a couple of MMA fights, a couple of kickboxing fights. Um, so I came here with a little bit of experience, but I was still like coming onto the scene was, I still felt like a, a very small fish, you know, I still do. Like a small fish in a big pond, which is what I wanted. And there's there's something really great about uh, UK. Well, I say the UK scene, but actually it's it's just becoming the European scene because we we have the luxury now of um, of even at an amateur level or a semi professional level that people are coming over from different countries to compete. We're having um, we've had a lot of fighters from Iceland come over and compete yep. on on local shows. Yep. And to be able to draw, and, and then again at professional level, to have all of those fighters turn up and to be able to test yourself, not just in one country's level of MMA, but kind of European-wide, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, the guys I've fought, I've fought at least one guy from Iceland. The other guy was either from Iceland. I think they were both from Iceland, actually. Fought two from Iceland, one from Belgium, um, and then a couple, a few from the UK. And then obviously in the jiu-jitsu competitions, I don't even know. I mean, I've gone, I've competed in Amsterdam a couple of times. Um, and then in UK comps, there's always sometimes random guys, you know, you still look on the smooth comp, they've got some flag. You don't know if they're actually UK, yeah. but with that flag like me, or if they're, they've actually just come over the comp. So definitely just a much bigger pool, a much bigger pool of people. And you get to roll with, you know, I got to compete against guys like Ross Nichols, against guys like Owner Flanagan, guys that are like top, top level. And you roll against them and it's like, oh, oh, snap. Right, okay, this is like, you know, it's, it's a level that there isn't really in New Zealand. And so it's, that was part of why I came over here, to get exposed to that. Because I, I know that the more you are around that, you can't help but yeah. absorb it a bit. It's like I mean? learning via osmosis almost. Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was part of the reason why I wanted to, to go somewhere. And coming here, I found that. So it's, it's been good. Um, and in fact, even just over the last, since the lockdowns, like, and, and getting some more, like, work in with Owen, my game's changed. I learned a lot, just, like, spending time with him, training with him, doing one-on-ones, and, um, and yeah, just learning a lot off him. It's been sick. Well, I mean, um, I mean, you, you've almost name-dropped two amazing people who, um, in the space of 10 minutes, but Sid Aslami, who's now off gallivanting the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Owen Flanagan, who's just won trials. Um, yep. But those are two people that you've had the luxury of training with uh, a fair bit now. And yep. how how was that? I mean, you talked about how Owen has changed things for you, but you, from just watching your your fights, actually, I, I've watched one of your kind of first fights here in the UK, and you could tell the difference just in the confidence in your your wrestling and your grappling yep. and how much that has changed over a relatively, when you think about a short period of time yep. um, and the confidence in which you wrestle with. Yeah, so, yeah, Owen and Sid definitely have been two, they've been the two, my two grappling coaches really over the last year. It's, it's, it, the lockdown was actually what shifted me into, uh, I guess, being around them because... Originally, I was training with Owen more in a class setting at mm. New Wave and then at New School as well. I'll start with Owen. I was training with him, New Wave, New School. Um, and then lockdown happened 
and we're keeping in touch anyway. I was sort of saying like, you know, I think he'd said that he was doing some, some one-on-ones at his house and I was like, yeah, sounds good. You know, so I went there and started doing one-on-ones with him and it worked out really nicely. Um, also, I just on a little side note, I mean, that I started riding across London once a week, which is also nice actually, yeah. crossing the bridges, just just on the Wii 125, just getting to know London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting, getting solid work in with Owen, building my confidence in certain positions where now I feel like supremely confident. Still got lots of gaps to plug. Um, still feel like a complete noob in certain positions, which is strange. In certain jiu-jitsu positions, I still feel like I make the dumbest mistakes, but but there's certain games we've played together which I've really improved at. And um, so that's been extremely helpful. And and I've continued now lockdowns, are, I'm, so I'm still seeing once a week because there's, the, there's, there's so much value in that. Um, also just a dude as well. Yeah. Also just, just like, just to hang around with, he's just, just, a, just a cool guy. Um, now with Sid, that was a bit different because that was, that was like a bit of a baptism of fire with Sid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... I think that's the best way to probably describe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So Sid... Um, I, it was my flatmate Tommy actually mm-hmm. who was in touch with Sid and he had said um, oh Sid's I'm going to be doing some resting with Sid again it was during the lockdown and I was like yeah count me in like definitely I'm coming so we came and it was me and Tommy in first class it was like right so this is how you do a suplex <laughs> so grab the upper back cinch in squat and then throw um, off you go what? and then me and Tommy just like um, okay and so obviously a lot of you know hurt ribs and winded falls later we were suplexing each other and and I'm, I'm i'm really really grateful to sid for the time that he put into me um because i, I was spending you know four or five days a week wrestling with him and, and he's you know he's a he's a taskmaster he sets expectations of you and you don't you don't want to disappoint him because he's you know sometimes i'd be just tired screwing things up and you go take a lap like, you know, go, go and walk and take a lap and come back when you're ready to do this. Which, you know, sometimes feels harsh at the time, but it's like it's, you know, it's come from a place of love. It's come yeah. from a place of him wanting you to succeed. And and so I'm really grateful that he, he put that time and energy into me. Because again, like you said, it's changed the way that I wrestle. I feel much more confident wrestling now. Again, just like the jiu-jitsu, sometimes I catch myself doing the dumbest stuff and being like, oh my God, I should be past that. Like, I'm, what a noob mistake to make. But overall my confidence and my ability to wrestle, even like my strength, even I found because I was wrestling four or five days a week and doing nothing else, I was getting stronger. Yeah, I was getting stronger, I was getting fitter. Um, and again, just like just like Owens, is just a cool dude to be around. You know, just just nice to just spend time with him as well. But obviously the love of training is the the key there that I think that's what it is in these guys. Like when 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 you meet someone like Sid, you meet someone like Owen or even like I was saying, someone like Ross as well, like who I haven't seen as much time with recently, but I used to go up and train in his classes as well. You can tell that they love what they're doing. And I mean, I can tell that Sid loves to wrestle. He just absolutely loves it. Owen loves to grapple, you know, like he, he loves, I mean, he does wrestling as well, but it's like they, they love that game they play. And it's almost like, you know, as long as you're going to come along with the right attitude and just play the game as well as you can with them, yeah. They're happy to have you there. It's like, come on, come on, let's wrestle. Cool. And so it makes it makes me love the game. And I mean, it makes me fall in love with the game again, um, which which is nice. And aside to all that that lovey talk, it makes you better. Yeah. You get better. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you because you're, you're training with good dudes, and you're you're training hard. Um, it makes you it makes you better. So there there is there is something about when you meet 
because we're all passionate. I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't be sat here talking about it if we weren't passionate about these uh, these various forms of combat sports. But there is something about meeting those people who are at the very upper echelon. Um, not only do you want to try and you know they're the goal, almost that level of attainment of skill, but there is like you say unbridled joy when they're as long if you're there and you're wanting it as much as they are and especially when they see you succeed it could be something which they could they could do in a heartbeat they wouldn't even need to think about but if it took you the whole uh, four classes to solve if you do it they are as happy for you that's a win yeah exactly it's a win yeah and, and, and it's a win i think as a coach as a coach like your success is in your student success so obviously both um both of them are athletes in their own right and so that's their successes are their own but then when they if they've got a coaching hat on and they're coaching students you measure your success as a coach through your student success right that's that's what a coach that's the only way to measure a coach's success really is how well your students do and it's not like how well they do necessarily in competition but like you're saying it's how well they're doing relative to four sessions ago yeah you had them four sessions ago and this thing there was a block and they were failing and now it doesn't matter how long it's take but now there's no block anymore now they're doing it success you know you good coach like it's a it's yeah there's a sheer joy in that um definitely um just yeah but but again i think it's just it comes back to the love of the game as well just just loving seeing the game played i, I felt like with with both sid and with owen there's also almost like a you feel like there's not a huge sense of ego when when you wrestle with Sid or when you wrestle with Owen. Part of it's because obviously the, the level difference is huge, but but it's also like that they're you doing well even against them is a good thing. Yeah. Even if you're succeeding on moves and you're in certain small moments getting the better of them, that's not a bad thing. That's like, well, you're doing well. You know, it's it's almost like, come on, when are you gonna catch up to me? Sort of thing, you know what I mean? Like when when are you gonna when are you gonna come up yeah. and, and catch up to me? And that's that sort of encouragement is I think it helps you get good. They know that you can be, you can get there. Hmm. I think that, uh, I mean, on the rare, rare, rare occasion <laughs> that if he's listening, the rare occasion that we've <laughs> ever landed a takedown on Sid. Yeah. He's like up with a smile on his face saying, well done. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you, and it just suddenly goes, oh, great. Like, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did really well. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for not making me feel guilty about this. Like yeah. I did really well on it. But that's I think great. that's even bro- like broader than the relationship that that a coach like that would have to you. It's like I think that most people that get good at something like jiu-jitsu or wrestling need to have that attitude all the time. Yeah. You need to have that attitude of like, well, if I failed, especially in training, like I failed, you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's going to happen. Like you're going to get caught. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, why? You know, why is the question? Well, what, what happened? What did the other person do well or what did you do wrong that made you do it? It needs to be, again, it needs to come back to you enjoying that process as well. I'm, I'm a believer that you have to enjoy the whole process, whether it's like winning, losing in the gym, competition, no matter what's happening, you have to be just like, well, I'm here anyway. You know what I mean? I'm still going to enjoy being here, whether things are going my way or not, whether I'm having a good session or a bad session, I have to do my best to just try and enjoy it. Because I think that that's what keeps you coming back. Yeah. That's what keeps you like returning to the gym and keeps you consistent and keeps you like passionate about it. The moment there's certain parts that you don't enjoy, then you're going to start avoiding those parts and then holes going to appear. Like if you, 
yeah, I guess if you if you don't if you really really don't like getting taken down, maybe you might start avoiding the guys that could take you down in the gym, right? You might do something like that, or, or maybe if you don't like in jiu-jitsu, you don't like um, being on your back. Let's say you're not playing off your back, so you fight as hard as you can to never be on your back, but then you're sh- terrible off your back. Yeah. You know what I mean, then then you're like you, one day you get caught on your back and you're like, what the hell? I don't know what to do here. Like I'm not comfortable here because I've never fought here. So I think you've got to try and yeah just just enjoy everything. I can see yeah again back to these guys i can see that they enjoy they enjoy the game and they've 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 had an influence on you massively in terms of your style i mean we can see uh watching that first fight going back to kind of looking at some of your fights um, you're, you're standing like typical striker as i would say yeah. is that kind of standing almost nice and tall mm. the hips are forward kind of you're, you're ready to unleash a barrage of kicks and punches going on to watching your last fight which suddenly it was like, oh, I actually don't know. He's he's standing a bit more like an MMA fight now. Yeah, now yeah. He's, he's a little more beguiling. I'm not sure if he wants to wrestle with a guy or if he wants to strike. Yeah. Um, and it's just suddenly transformed you into what was, I thought, uh, more leaning to one one thing than the other and leaning towards your assets. Mm. Which, you know, when you're locked in the cage fighting, obviously you're going to. Um, yeah. But suddenly you've kind of, become a far more complete fighter it feels like yeah well what's funny is that i was actually always more of a grappler than a striker except that i think because that first time was the fight against sifa yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i'd come off not really much grappling and i'd had a couple of kickboxing fights so i'd come off like a before i left new zealand i hadn't been grappling that much um, i had like chronic back pain and stuff and i just like taken a step back from the grappling and i'd been mainly kickboxing and i'd had like a modified tie fight, which I think is like a C class weird oh, okay. tie fight. Like just yeah, just strange rules. But basically tie and I had a K one fight. Um and then I'd come to the UK. And so my first fight in the UK, I guess I mean even though I had been grappling in the UK, I, the last couple of fights I'd had been much more like stand up. Mm-hmm. Um whereas since I've been in the UK, I would say I've been predominantly grappling. Um with obviously some stand up as well, but it's been like mainly mainly wrestling and, and jiu-jitsu. Um, but funny enough, I'm fighting that guy again. <laughs> Same guy again, eh? Yes. I'm looking forward to that. How fight. things come around, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll, well, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the fight now because it is coming up. We've got two two weeks ago. Two weeks, yeah. Um, and you're fighting in the Crystal uh, Christ Palace Arena, which is very exciting. We were talking about this um, as South Londoners. We're both excited about the practical aspects <laughs> yeah. of this. Yeah, nice to sell tickets when it's a Crystal Palace and also like nice to be able to go to the rules meeting and then go home. <laughs> you know, go to the rules meeting, get the med- medicals done at, you know, 4 p.m. or whatever. I'm not going to be fighting till yeah. probably 9 or 10. Just go home for a couple of hours, just chill rather than having to stay in the, like the busy, noisy leisure center for the whole evening. Um, so, yeah, glad it's Crystal Palace and glad that, that everyone's going to be able to come and watch it without too much hassle, basically, because Brentford is not. It's funny enough, convenient for our coach, Christian. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So Christian, who's one of the head coaches at New Wave, he lives over in Brentford. Mm. So he, he normally loves Fight Star because it's really easy for him. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks everyone else. But, um, but this no, is yeah. what, well, this is payback for training and teaching a team that's in Southeast London. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's, uh, I mean, there's some history to Crystal Palace as well, given that they have had some massive jujitsu events. They've had like, um, and I've, I've, I've been to, I think I went to a judo event once there oh, really? and it's, 
I don't know what it is, but the acoustics of the place and just the way it's laid out, there's something really special. And I think there's, because you know when you go, let's say, grappling industries is like a university, isn't it? University of London. Or, no, it's not. That's English Open. Uh, no, but grappling industries was there last time. It was time, there actually. last time. It was time. there last time, yeah. But it's kind of a sports hall-esque thing. Yeah. And yet sometimes, but when you go to certain events, and I think this is more so for MMA as well, unless you go to Polaris or shows like that. But when you go to places where you've you've watched events for and you know that there's a history of other sports competing there, suddenly it becomes there's there's that much more uh, character to the to the yeah. venue. And Contenders was there not long back, and there were Festus, who's fighting on Fight Star. He fought on Contenders, had a sick fight, and so I got to see the setup. Mm-hmm. That it's it's probably going to be. Very similar, but I think a contenders they had tables. I think a fight style is not going to be tables, but it's caged down down the basketball courts, the stands, um, to changing rooms. Like it, it's just a good setup. It's a good setup where you've got like a good vantage points to watch the cage from. Um, good sort of like runway to go in. That'll be good. Will you be warming up in squash courts? Uh Yes, I think so. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, I'm squash sure. courts, like the <laughs> people. I, I mean, I've I've only played squash a couple of times in my life, but I think I've spent more time in them, just like yeah. helping people warm up yeah, for yeah. fights than anything else. It's in my always life. the squash court, yeah. And they get so warm. Yeah, they do. Oh, there was one, one fight. Um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the guy I fought. Anyway, well, one of the fights I had. Um, it was summer and it was warm. And I was sitting there and like uh, one of my coaches, Jeff, was like, we were warming up and he was like periodically telling me like, come outside for a bit. I just come outside, get some fresh air because you're, you're, you're warming up, you're getting yeah. sweaty and you're getting stuffy, like you're, you're starting to breathe heavy and stuff. Let's go, let's get some fresh air, take me outside for like five minutes, go back inside, keep warming up. Because it was like, it was literally like you're warming up in a sauna or yeah. something. It was like ridiculous. And you find people, they're like sweating out more than they were the day, two days before on their wake up. Just, yeah, yeah. Just before they get into the cage. And it is a debil- it's a debilitating thing as well. Mm. It's like, it's almost like you, when you warm up, you do want to break a sweat and get warm and, and you know, blow out a little bit, but you can you can do too much you, yeah. know? you get to the point where you're actually just depleting yourself and it's like and i was having to get told that because i was so amped up i was just like ah oh, me up and he's like no just just chill like let's go chill for a bit we've still got another 20 minutes half an hour before you fight <laughs> we don't need you just like blowing out for the next 20 minutes is that is that something that because like you say some people like to really blow out their lungs and kind of get them going get them working some pe- and you find some people they like to do really kind of quite light leisurely warm up get the things moving but go n- nothing too hard is there a preference where on the scale do you fall i like a bit of intensity i like a little bit of intensity beforehand yeah i feel like i'm a slow starter anyway you know like i'm a slow starter when it comes to fights and competing in general so i think having a little bit of intensity where i have to react a bit hard even if it's just like a slightly intense grappling you know having mm-hmm. someone just grab me or having someone just do something i have to sort of wake up doesn't change the fact that i'm a slow starter but i think it it helps so like yeah it helps me sort of like get into it a bit more whereas if it was really light i'd be borderline coming in like a bit too relaxed you know which is i think i don't don't usually i don't usually have issues with being over activated it's usually like a bit under activated and and not not popping early enough usually it takes like a round or two for me to actually get warm and get into the zone and by that time in amateur mma you have one round left and it's like and yeah, it's yeah. not a very long round. Ra- well, I mean, no, it's, they're not. They're not long rounds. Yeah. Three minutes. It's not that long. Like, um, 
So I'm, I'm, I'm glad actually this time, I th- I'm pretty sure, I need to double check, I'm pretty sure it's five rounds. Oh, fantastic. For this one, I think so. Oh, yeah, well, well, welterweight title, it should be, right? Yeah, well, although Festus's one isn't, he's pro and he's got a title fight, he's only got three three rounds. So I need to double check that, actually. <laughs> I shall make a note I've, of that. I've been preparing for five. So. <laughs> what you should say is after three, if they if, if it goes as far as three, after three and they go, but no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, come on. Just I've, I've, I've crossed this bit out on my contract and I've actually written five here. So as long as yeah. we're all in agreement. Come on, guys. Another two, another two. I'd always be down for that, to be fair. I feel like it would be cool if um, you could, after... You know what would be cool actually would be if um, if you could like vote as fighters to have another round. That'd Just the two cool. you look at each other and be like, another one? Yeah, another yeah, one. Right, go then. on, and yeah, go on, have another one. And you're like, yeah, another one? And the guy's like, nah, not another one. And you're like, okay. Okay, well, that's oh, fine. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, that's fine. You don't want to. That's fine. And, like, and he wins and you're like, oh, okay. Didn't want it, another one. I tell you Didn't what, it would make people feel <laughs> more, I think it would rule out decision wins a bit more because people would be like, Nah, fuck that shit. I don't want him to think that he's just got it. If like, because you would just go, yeah, all right, then we'll do another. Yeah, unless you actually didn't think you had it though. Oh, you know, there'd be some people who would be like that after the third round. They'd be like, nope, nope, nope. I'm we're not good. doing another one. I'm finished. <laughs> like, um, it's not, it's not going well for me now. Um, but yeah, realistically, it'd be a promoter's nightmare. I think. <laughs> I mean, try try and make a ske- schedule that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The promoters will be like, that's why I've always liked the idea of sub only and no time limits and stuff. But I do appreciate that as a promoter, it's, just it's a nightmare feasible, yeah. being like this match could last five minutes or it could last forty minutes. How do we schedule a number of matches that have no time limit? Yeah, it's like it's it's. I think the purist in me likes it because you're you're going to get a definitive finish. You're going to have a submission, as in grappling anyway. But yeah, realistically, it's not practical thing to set it's up not, it's not feasible i mean as as uh lovers of grappling competitions no these things never run on time anyway no. let alone if they were somewhere no time limits yeah and then like some of the match would be so boring as well you're sitting there for like 10 minutes you're yeah. like come on guys i think uh, it gets to a point where even the coach is like i'm gonna go corner someone else yeah, yeah exactly i think you got this bro you're all right <laughs> not, not much is happening here well we, what what has changed for you in terms of have you prepared for this particular fight any differently? Is there is there something that well I guess five rounds is the big thing, but is there is there anything that you've you've changed or you've felt that you've developed over this particular period of time in preparation for this fight? Yeah, so um, compared to our last fight, my wrestling's a lot better. As we're talking about before, I spent yeah. a lot of time wrestling with Sid, so I'm a lot more confident in my wrestling and in my jiu-jitsu, actually, working with Owen. Like, I feel a lot more confident in my grappling, um, which is, I was feeling confident in my grappling in the first fight anyway, yeah. so it's not like that was an issue. But the weakness being the striking, um, I've been working with Tommy. So Tommy, do you, you know Tommy? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I've been working with Tommy um, a lot on my hands, just to, just doing just basically boxing pad work, mm-hmm. footwork, hands, um, correcting a lot of the fundamental like bad habits that I had with you know, I've gotten away with being long and stuff but just trying to trying to optimize for that and trying to avoid some bad habits um, that's been for the last few months just been working on that um, and then implementing that in sparring so so my striking has changed over the last couple of months I mean for those who haven't I mean grappling with you is hard enough given your size but for those who don't know you're six 
five. Just 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 under six five. So just like six four and three quarters. Yeah, let's round up. Let's round up. Six, 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 six five. five. Yeah. Um so and you fight welterweight. And yeah. I mean, regard irregardless of or regardless, I get always get those two mixed up. Regardless of whether you compete grappling or MMA, it's a nightmare because you're too tall for your weight class. I'm gonna put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so somebody came to me actually at the comp was like we should have height limits in this weight <laughs> category. And I always just go, well, we should have girth limits. Like, you know, there should yeah. be a limit to the size your biceps can be, in my opinion, if that's the case. You know what? As someone who naturally sits at 79, I want to kick out all of those ones who've got thighs that are like the size of tree <laughs> exactly. trunks. And yeah. I'm going to put a height limit of six foot two on it as right. well. Yeah, so just basically people like you. Yeah, just people yeah. like people, Your I... height and your, yeah, fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. Um, which uh, leads me on to... Uh, Jonas the Octopus, which is your nickname. Ah, yes. Where, I mean, Octopus is a valid description. Um, give being dasked many times by you, even in wrestling classes. Yeah. Um, Somehow managed to slip it in. Yeah, I mean, we. Well, I think we have been told off a few times from the fact that we've gone, like, taken each other down, then it's turned into a bit of a grab. It's like, no, get back up. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is wrestling, it's not jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, so the, the Octopus... So in that first gym I was at, the yeah. first time I started jiu-jitsu, um, good group of dudes and nicknames started flying, <laughs> right? So nicknames started flying, started to be like names we had for each other. Um, well, most of us were quite young, actually. We were, most of us were like 16 to 22 sort of thing, a lot of students, high school students, university students. Um, so it was actually, it was a white belt at the time. His name's Jake, Jake Fairbrother. We called him Cobrinha. <laughs> um he, he was trying to armbar me and I was like just uh, I was just relaxing and just like flipping my shoulder and flipping my elbow out and I wasn't even actually rolling I was just literally sitting there and like <laughs> just I don't know being a bit of a dick just just not letting him armbar me and he was struggling obviously because he was you know wipe out and he said oh, Jesus it's so hard to armbar you it's arms like a tentacle like a bloody octopus that was it and that stuck right and that, that was like okay cool um, and then a whole bunch of other things about the octopus, the fact that octopuses are like quite cerebral and the fact that I am just long and lanky and, you know, flexible in weird ways. And so like can wrap myself around people. It just, it worked. And then I think I stuck with it because, um, because it's unique because it's unique, you know, and it's not, it's not inherently threatening. No. It's not an inherently threatening thing. It's not like being called the smashing machine, you know, or being called the lion yeah. or something like the that. Hammer. The hammer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is, there's nothing wrong with those names, but I just, that wouldn't resonate with me because I'd be like, well, I'm not always a lion, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, but an octopus is like, yeah, just, just more unique and more different. And so I thought it would be, be a good name. Yeah. But, um, you don't fuck around with octopuses. You're there and they're all cerebral and yeah, they're still, still dangerous. They're beautiful yeah, for sure. in the water, but then suddenly when they're wrapped around you, it's like, oh no. No, you, you wouldn't want to fight an octopus, um, or especially an octopus of any considerable size <laughs> in the water, for sure. No, the octopus would, would kill you like re really easily. It'd be like octopuses have weak points, but they're also really, um, they're quite adaptive. They adapt to things very quickly. They learn very quickly. And so they can like work around you quite easily um so you're not not an animal actually would particularly like to be around i'm not gonna lie like <laughs> in real life i wouldn't actually i don't have like an affinity for octopuses but the name the name worked and then actually i can i can name draw something else actually zenkai the the brand oh, yeah. that sponsor me um so it's tony 
uh, a guy who trains at New Wave, um, one of the coaches there actually, he does the artwork and then so aside from the name Octopus, he also made that cool rash guard, the purple rash guard. Mm. Uh, and he's now made leggings as well actually, which are the same. And that again, I just liked that because it was different again. So now like I can wear that and that's like my trademark rash guard now. Whenever I compete, I just wear that rash guard. And so it's sort of like, it just ties in nicely. Um, I, uh, as a complete aside, I think, if I'm not mistaken, so there's a Netflix documentary where it's all about this guy who... I've heard about it. Where he follows this octopus around. Like octopus teacher or something like that, yeah. I have to admit, it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah? It's really good. I haven't seen that. It's, I mean, you end up feeling emotionally bonded to this little octopus. Yeah, yeah. But they are they are fascinating creatures. Did he like? It was like every day. I heard every day he was coming back to meet it in the water eye, and they were like playing together, or he was watching it, or something like they were interacting. Imagine every day. Yeah, and just the fact that I think if an animal came to meet you somewhere every day, the fact that it chose to come meet you, you wouldn't help but be able to feel a bit of an attachment to it because you'd be like, oh, well, it's not just me that wants to be here. You want to be here too. Yeah. So you'd think like, yeah, that would be. I mean, it's still, I mean, octopus, a bit strange. <laughs> it also, it gives off Bond villain vibes. Like, if you had an, let's say you you, you walked into my house, right? <laughs> and I had a tank God, just by yeah, the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh yeah, this is my pet octopus. You'd be like, mm, I'm yeah. not sure about this guy. Yeah, it's it's like snakes. Like, yeah. like a pet snake. And I've, I've got a thing about snakes. Um, do you like them too? No. no oh no, you, you're the opposite. No, I do not like snakes. Oh, but they're very cool animals. Do you like snakes? Yeah. Bro, you're talking Bond villain vibes. What are you talking about? Yeah, but snakes. I never have a snake. Right, okay, yeah, fair. So like... I've had, I've had a couple of like nightmares about snakes, which have like formed this this idea I have of snakes, and um, and there was what like the one where I got like crushed by this python, so it like it like wrapped itself around me, and I could feel myself getting crushed in the dream by my ribs breaking and stuff, and then like it swallowed me. I remember really vividly like getting digested by this python, like oh feeling God. the acid on my skin and stuff, and then I like I willed the knife into existence in this, in this dream, obviously. And I cut myself out. It felt amazing. A really significant dream that I had probably like five years ago, four years ago, but stuck with me. And a couple of other dreams I've had with snakes where they've like, where the dream hasn't ended so well. And so I had this thing where I was snakes. I'm like, I'd rather not be around a snake. Um, and funny enough, when my brother moved over here, he was like, I want to get a pet snake because it, it's, le- it's legal <laughs> yeah. here. It's not legal in New Zealand to have a pet snake. Okay. Right. And he's like, it's legal. I want to get a pet snake. I was like, bro. I'm not coming around. Don't get... No, he was living with me. Oh. He was living with me. So I was like, you want to get a pet snake? I was like, nah, bro, let's not get a pet snake. And that night, I had a dream that he'd got a pet snake and the snake had slid into my bed. I grabbed it in the dream and threw it against his wall. He was like, control your snake, bro, or I'll kill it. And I, and I told him the dream and he was like, it's okay, I'm not going to get a pet snake. So yes. Yeah, the, the scariest fact about snakes is the fact that they measure have you seen heard about this thing they measure next to people to measure yeah 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 like that's a imagine just getting eyed up by a snake and they're just going "Mm, six five yeah 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 but that's why i think i can't like snakes because i don't think a snake and i might be wrong here because i don't know the science of snakes but i don't feel like a snake is able to bond with me and be my friend i don't i don't think that's possible it has no apathy yeah it, it has no it has no ability to like to be friendly because I don't think, and again, I can be corrected here. I could, I could be wrong about this, but I think a lot of snakes are not social creatures. No. They don't survive socially. They, they mate, they breed, 
I'm not even sure if they look after the no, young. No, I think they all do. just disperse. And then it's just like, on your own, buddy. So obviously they're unpleasant characters. Obviously, <laughs> obviously they're out to kill everything because they're on their own, right? Whereas if you look at like a dog, or most mammals anyway, most mammals, you, you, can, you can bond with them. You can look at them and they can be next to you and you can be like, we're boys, yeah, yeah, go on, yeah. We're friends, you know, that's fine. You don't necessarily befriend all of them, but they have the ability to. Yeah. You might kill me, but you could resect me to a little bit. Yeah, it's it's more like we can communicate. And so, like, I'd say cats I trust a bit less, but cats still have that ability. Like, cats still look after the young. They still do form bonds with each other. Dogs, obviously, are, like, another level. We're like, even though you could kill me, we can develop a relationship where it's pretty certain you're not going to kill me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I can, I can pretty much trust that you're not gonna yeah. turn on me and kill me because it, it doesn't, it wouldn't be good for you. I could be next to a crocodile from when it was tiny. I'm never gonna trust that crocodile. Exactly, snakes the same, right? You could, you could broad it up, and it, like you're saying, it's just gonna be sleeping next to you, measuring you up to <laughs> sleep until it can eat you. Yeah, it might just be waiting to grow big enough so that it could eat you. Yeah, it probably is. Probably is because again, I, I don't think snakes have parents. I don't think that's a thing that they have in no. nature. I think they're just... They have pro- people that birth them. Yeah. Well, egg them. Yeah, and and it's like probably happy that you're feeding it. You know what I mean? It's not like sad that it's getting fed, but you're not its friend. So so Jonas the snake is completely out of question. No, I'm not a snake. But, but hey, I'm Jonas the octopus, but like I said, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of octopuses either. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be like close to an octopus. Maybe on ground. On the ground, you I could, could look maybe at it. take yeah, an yeah. octopus on the. I ground. could definitely take an octopus on the ground. Yeah. It might, it might, it might make it painful for you because they sting you, right? No, I don't think they do. Or is that jellyfish? That's jellyfish, I think. Yeah, no, octopuses have the beak. Oh they yeah. The beak, so they'll, 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 well, I think they want to wrap their tentacles around you, hold you, and then just like nibble at you. Nibble at you with a beak. Yeah. It's a bad way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we've gone to <laughs> snakes and octopuses. Is it actually? Octopods? Octopi? Octopi? I don't know. I've, I always doubt myself when I say that. I should really just look it up. Yeah, but animals, when it comes to animals... To be fair, I wonder if animals have a group name for us. Like, do you think they see a group name? A human? Oh, what? it's a human eye. What, in English? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, in the, if you translated it to English. Um, a group of humans. What's a group of humans good? It would be a tribe. Tribe. A tribe. Well, that, that's the name we give ourselves, yeah. right? A tribe of humans. Because you have a, oh, what is it for birds? Flock. Flock of birds and things like that. A troop of chimpanzees, I think it is. Oh, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. A stampede of elephants. What? Stampede of elephants, apparently. I feel like that gives them a bad rep. Yeah, but it's also sort of accurate. Yeah. I mean, like a bunch of, if there's like 40 elephants just walking by, it would be like, that's a a stampede. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it is. Well, it's like a... Even though they're a herd of cows, I don't know how we're talking about this. Um, welcome to the BJJ and Grappling <laughs> Podcast. Have you ever seen a group of cows run uh, like at full speed? From a long, long way away, have yeah. you? Yeah. It's the most terrifying thing. I remember I was going for a walk with some friends and we were talking about the fact that like cra- cows can run pretty fast. Hmm. But then suddenly we were seeing from a fair distance away, this herd of them sprint. So I would... No. T- no way nah. no way I'm the dead man If it's yeah. like gonna be the scene from Lion King yeah yeah and then that's why I think like lions and stuff when they hunt those when they hunt those animals they do have to be careful about how they do it you wanna try and get the herd scared and then pick off the weak ones yeah 
you wouldn't want to get the herd running at you and like fight them because you'd die. Yeah. Even lions are smart. Yeah. <laughs> even like um, even walking past a single bull. Like I remember I, was, like, did, I helped on a dairy farm when I was younger and like walking past a bull, like just walking in the same field like 30 meters away from a, like a fully grown bull was a scary experience because it's just looking at you and you're like, you look at it and you're like, you're like a ton. Yeah. Literally, you weigh a ton. Like, you, please don't run at me. I'm <laughs> just, not even a tenth of you. Yeah, just walking, just like looking at it. It's just looking at you, just chewing grass. And you're like, please don't run at me. Please don't run at me. And then it, it didn't run at me. So it's fine. But just you see, I think when you're close to it, you think of a cow and you think whatever, it's a cow. But when you're like close to it, you see the size and you can like just start to like imagine what it would be like if it were to run at you and it's terrifying and yet we think they're really cute animals yeah i mean they are they are yeah i mean again mammals yeah it's the the only animal that you know when they talk about hunting like you should be able to kill what you eat Mm -hmm. it's the only animal that is the exception to the rule for me what is like a cow like i couldn't kill a cow couldn't kill a cow yeah but i like how they taste (laughs) right fair yeah they do taste pretty good yeah other animals yeah, I'm a bit more blasé about. I, I, I'd do it, but yeah, yeah. a cow is just I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I think I would struggle to to kill an animal unless I needed to. I, I think that, like, if there was a can of lentils there, and there was the cow, and oh yeah, kill, <laughs> I'd be like, I don't, I don't need to kill that cow. I'll see the lentils. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine. I don't need to. Don't need to do that. Obviously, but I think that if it was like if I was in Desert Island and there was just me and the cow, I'd be like, sorry, mate. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to go, yeah. And suddenly it starts charging. You go, oh no, maybe this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Damn, I need to catch it while it sleeps. <laughs> um, Shall we get back to grappling? Go on I feel then. like we should. Go on then. Uh, you talked about grapple. The uh, you competed on like shows with Ross Nichols and Owen and stuff like that. And one of the shows, if I'm not mistaken, that you competed on with Owen was the Grapple Club show of, during lockdown. Uh, no, it was called Submission Series. Submission Series, Submission yeah. Series, yes, yes, yeah. Um. Which was a great show. It was, and it was uh, fantastic to see you on there because I feel like, um, albeit you are a multi-talent, like you do compete across multiple sports, it was nice to see you compete against some of the other brown belts. And well, Jed, is Jed, um, Rafael Colonnais, and Mark. Mark Linders. Mark Linders, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was, that was some good fights. I mean, obviously Jed was, was all over me. As per usual, you know, Jed's, Jed's actually one of the guys that I put up there as being like I've rolled against him, and it's like difficult to find an answer there. Um, of the match with Hafel was interesting. I didn't manage to basically just like not enough guard passing ability to do anything about his guard, and then just getting my back taken. Um, but the, the back is one of the positions that I was telling you about where I've worked with Owen, and where I feel very confident with someone on my back because um, I've had Owen on my back so many times that it's like I've. I feel more confident there. And then with Mark, um, I got the DAS actually with Mark. Um, and Mark was someone who was a bit of an interesting prospect in that competition as well, given the fact that his stand-up wrestling, um, in comparison to uh, a few people on there, he was one of the people who was kind of known more for us, uh, being a stand-up grappler and being aggressive on his feet. Yes. Um, although Jed then suddenly pulled out some wrestling, I remember yeah. at that comp, which yeah. was kind of shocked everyone. Yeah, but there was there was some good um, there was some good scrambles in the different matches in the comp. There was oh my god, um, 
Hafal Colonnades versus Jed. And there was that Kimura. Yes. And when Hafal slipped out of the Kimura, his hand slapped Jed's face, but it sounded like his arm had broken because <laughs> it was like a, like a slap, like a, uh, like almost like a clapping sound. Yeah. And we're all suddenly like, oh, and then it slipped and, and we're like, oh, <laughs> and then he was actually fine. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. He got out. But there was, yeah, there was some good moments there. I can't remember if Jed, because Jed will, I mean, we saw in Polaris. I don't know if you've managed to watch the AJ fight. Um, but there was a moment where I think that it's on Instagram as well where Jed's putting on this hill hook and then he kind of turned it, turned it, turned it and I think it must have made a sound and Jed was like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that That's one thing actually that I've seen that I quite like about, um, I guess, since coming into the UK and seeing a very high level of grappling, especially with a very high level of leg locks, mm-hmm. is that generally speaking most of the guys that are very good at leg locks are very careful with them, mm-hmm. you know? So they're, they're guys who, um, as long as you're not being a complete dick, like it's different if you're coming with hard collar ties, you're yeah. slapping them around, you're trying to hurt them, then it might be different. Maybe they'll go, oh, well, maybe I'll just, maybe Turn you won't be able to walk. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, because like, you've made this, you've done this yourself, like if someone fake taps, which I think is the stupidest thing. If, if you're on some heel hook and you fake tap and it's like, oh no, I didn't tap. And then it's like, you better tap early next time because yeah. this guy's not gonna he's not gonna slow down next time you tap because you've you've played that game but generally speaking the guys they're, they're very like I've seen Ross Nichols in competitions where he's like got a heel hook on someone and he's sitting there he's looking at the guy and the guy's like holding out and he's sitting there he's like mm-hmm. like taking his time with it you yeah. know and then the guy actually ended up getting out and and maybe Ross couldn't have finished it there I don't know I don't know enough about it to know but it looks like he was being cautious about the way he applied the heel hook so as to not seriously injure this guy. Yeah. And he ended up catching him later anyway. So he ended up getting him back in there and catching him with it. But he sort of took his time to do it without just bridging and twisting into as hard as he could, um, you know, desperate to get the tap. And I like that. When I, see, when I see that people have that attitude, I like that because I feel like, again, everyone's sort of looking after each other so we can hopefully all show up to the next comp. Exactly. So people aren't all just destroying each other's knees and having to take six months out left, right, and centre. It's more like they're they're making sure that that everyone's okay. Uh, you 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 do want. I mean, it's different if it's ADCC finals. Yeah. You know, I will mercilessly yeah rip on someone rip someone's ACL in half if it means I'm getting that. Fair, oh, fair play. I'm not gonna say I wouldn't. Yeah. But. It's like a, I mean, it's most like gr- of grappling us, industries, yeah, grappling industries. Like, well, okay, like, cool. In some round robin match, you know, who cares? If, yeah. if if I then see you at the next comp and you're on crutches, <clears throat> am I going to feel like a big guy? It's like no. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's um, it's maybe a testament to the fact that the community is still quite small. Mm-hmm. You know, grappling in general. You know, it's it's not it's not like football or something yeah. where there's you know institutions. We think it's like football. Yeah, Everyone inside yeah. of it pretends like it's. But it's, like it's, but it's not. Yeah. Right? It's not. There's not that many people, and so I think everyone still has the like the growth, or a lot, a lot of people anyway will still have the growth of the sport and the sport growing the right way as being an important part of the way you take part in it. Yeah, you want it to be like something that grows, and so constantly injuring everyone is not like is not really yeah. It's not going to be conducive to that, but but again, it's different. If if you come in like an absolute tool and you start trying to trying to do stupid stuff like pretending to tap, then it's then it's like, well, then now you're playing games with your own leg. So it's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, what what before we move on to um, the 
final bits, there's a few things I wanted to touch on. The first thing was like motivations mm. because I see in uh, what I, I hear from you is that there is never a singular, like you, to me, it comes across that you want to be uh, progress personally in all aspects of the sport. You don't want to kind of leave a gap in anything almost. Mm. It feels like you, you enjoy every aspect and you want to be able to continue on on every aspect. So where does the motivation lie for you as a as a martial artist and as a competitor is it is it that you you want to continue as mma now your focus or is it is it just progression i'd say progression's top progression's top about everything else i feel like um yeah i feel like i, I don't really chase any like too many specific things although obviously leading up to something i am chasing that so we look this fight coming up for the last couple of months the focus has been this fight right mm -hmm. um but the fight to me is like a tool used to fast track progression that's what a fight does right? a fight like hones everything in and and forces you to focus more on, on your weaknesses because although i say i don't you know i want to develop everything i in the way that i train the way that i am i obviously fall into ruts of comfort yeah i fall into ruts of being like well i'm enjoying doing this right now and you know i really should be putting more time into these things that i'm not very good at but i just enjoy doing this other thing you know what i mean and so sometimes it takes like for example the onset of a new coach or the onset of a new training environment or the onset of a fight or the onset of like a challenge an upcoming challenge to to refocus you go okay hold on where are the gaps like where where do i what do i need to plug to make sure that you know my coach is happy or I'm successful in this new training environment or I win this fight or at least give myself the best chance to win the fight. Um, so I would say that th those, like a fight or a, a tournament is something which is for me like a, a tool to help, mm -hmm. to help fast track that. But the goal to me is progression because I, I, I believe that a lot of things are not in your control. Right, but the consistency and the intensity and the presence you have when you train is and that's going to take you somewhere yeah that where that somewhere is is one of those things that i deem to be not really under your control like whether you end up being ufc champ or you end up losing the next 10 fights like there's an element of luck to that which is not in your control there's an element of where you are who you're with what you're like there's, there's lots of things you can't control which contribute to that all you can control in my opinion is your progression is how, how, how quickly and in what direction you progress. And so that's why I feel like to me, in my mentality, that's always the top. Just just trying to improve and and enjoying improving. That's what I was saying before about enjoying everything. You have to enjoy it because I don't want to do this super hard for you know X amount of years, then burn out and stop. Yeah, you want to continue loving it forever. Yeah, and, and even, even when I'm old and all hopes of achieving anything are gone, even when... I'm 50 years old and there's no more delusions of becoming some good pro fighter or no more delusions of going to ADCC. There's, there's no more of that, like, the, there's no possibility of that anymore. Mm -hmm. I still need to enjoy doing it. Otherwise, I might stop. You know, otherwise, I might I might fall off the wagon and and I don't know what I'll do then. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what I'll be doing instead of this, but I doubt it would be as good for me as this. So, so part of it for me is just learning to enjoy everything. And while I'm young and full of energy pushing for those goals, pushing for those fights, pushing for things, but using them as ways to, to improve myself. Um, there is something in the fact that you, 
you know, talking about like going too hard is that when you, I mean, even, even for a jujitsu, like let's say you've got, I know euros coming up, people push themselves really hard for it. But if they're, and Lloyd Cooper touched on this, if you're so focused on the goal rather than enjoying the progression and the journey of it, regardless of the outcome, then you will feel dissatisfied and you will feel, and maybe empty is not the right word, mm. but you will feel, you, you'll begin to fall out of love with it mm. because you, you haven't got what you wanted. You're but enjoying it, it right? Yeah. If, if your goal is, I'm going to push myself hard, but I'm going to enjoy this period of intensity for what it is, mm-hmm. then regardless of the outcome, I mean, everything else is gravy. Obviously, everyone wants the success. But really, if you've if you've enjoyed the period of the fight camp, I mean, we were talking just before, like how I asked you how it's going. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But like, if you 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 wouldn't want to look back on this period of what five six weeks, yeah, with it. with deep regret. No, no, and and, and I I don't like I have enjoyed this fight camp, you know, and I you do enjoy a fight camp. And part of it, I think, is also getting the balance of it being a fight camp. But like I, when I first started, I would get so stressed about a fight that it would be like fight camp, and you have to go berserk, and you have to, and I just overtrain. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just just overtrain yourself into the ground. Whereas now I go, it is I do still overtrain a bit because I think a fight camp is a little bit about overtraining a little bit, like pushing past what you normally do, but also knowing when to rein it in, knowing like, oh, actually today it needs to be a rest day. Yeah, actually I need to rest today because you get it's like. I'm not going to train every day straight super hard for six weeks. I'll injure myself. I need to like make sure that I do have things in place to make sure I can, you know, rest, recover my energy, and then come back with that freshness to training. Be like, oh, I'm excited to go to the gym today because I didn't go yesterday. I rested, so I'm really excited. And you, you want that excitement when you train because I think you get more out of training when you have that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the other, other way I look at it is that I'd always like, and I think this is something that. Whether my, my father actually ever explicitly told this to me, or whether it's something that I just sort of like learned by, by I guess seeing the way that he was, or for some reason I associate this this thought process with my father. Like it's not really about um, the game that you're playing right now is the important game. Mm-hmm. So the game that's in front of you, whether it's the tournament that's in front of you, whether it's the training session you're in, or whether it's the role that you're doing in training, what's the fight that you have? There's a game you're playing right now, and there's a result to that game. That isn't the most important game. The most important game is how you're approaching all of the games that you're playing over time. It's the approach. Yeah, and, and it's the fact that you can keep playing. You want to play the games in a way that you can continue to play and keep coming back and make sure you're taking something out of every time you play. So even if you're in the gym and you get tapped out 10 times or 10 different people, you seem to make sure that every time you're getting tapped out, you're sitting there thinking, hmm, what happened, right? And just try and get a piece of the puzzle. And if you're in an environment where everyone's better than you, that's going to happen. You're just going to get smashed by everyone and you're going to learn quicker because of that. And I would say that a fight or a competition is the same thing, but stakes are higher, right? So stakes are higher. You, you, obviously, you should care more about losing a fight than getting tapped out yeah. in training. But it's the same thing. If you get beaten in a fight or you get beaten in a tournament, all you can do is come away from it and go, hmm, what happened? You know? Well, what can I take away from that? What's the what's the what's the piece yeah. that means that next time I play the game, I can hopefully be a bit better. But I might lose next time as well. I might make the same mistake next time. 
But have you learned? Yeah, but 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 even like it might, I might not just learn in one go. Maybe it takes a couple times for me to learn. Maybe I will learn in one go. Yeah. Who knows? It's not again difficult to sort of be a hundred percent certain that's what's going to happen. But you just want to make sure that you're enjoying it and you are returning. You are continuing to go back. And and what you find is the wins come. The wins do come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you you don't just. It's very unlikely to just keep losing. <laughs> you do you do you do that winning. Yeah. You do learn, and you're like oh. I'm not losing anymore. Actually, I'm doing pretty well. And you have to be there. You have to be able to be able to turn up again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um I guess I guess when you've learned to enjoy getting tapped out, it's so much nicer when you're tapping people out. That's really you know, interesting. Like, that's really thought provoking. Why why uh what makes you think of your dad or what you learned from your dad from that? I don't know, because I, I don't have a memory of him actually specifically telling me that. Mm. But I think that was always like, like we used to play a game before um, before dinner time. So I, I was into basketball when I was younger. I played basketball in high school. Um, and even when I was probably about seven or eight is when I started like shooting hoops at school and being like, oh, maybe I'll have basketball, like bouncing a basketball at school. And so he was like, okay, that's cool. You like basketball. Well, before dinner, what we can do is we can play a game. We have to do a hundred passes, a hundred chest passes. So... I pass the ball to him, he passes it back to me. One, yeah. two, three. If we drop the ball, it goes to zero. Right? Easy. Yeah. Easy game. You do drop the ball though. I'm seven years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I, I don't have any, I don't have the exact memory of whether or not he was maybe making it more difficult for me. You know, like he yeah. might have been maybe Dude, trolling and doing one, yeah. some stuff here, like starting it slower than building up. But but the it was always the attitude was like you don't need to get, don't get caught up on whether or not drop. Just keep, just keep just passing keep the ball. Just keep passing the ball. Just, just keep going. This is the game you're playing. Just keep passing the ball. Eventually, you get to a hundred. But it's not like you decided right this time I'm going to get a hundred and you do it. You just, you just do it, and then yeah. eventually it comes to you. So it's like, I guess there was value put on, on the repetition. Yeah. On just and on enjoying the repetition. I think that's probably the most valuable of of all the things that you could probably teach, a young child, especially around learning. Because that could be applied to anything. Yeah, yeah. Just keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I've got a very unloved PlayStation sitting. There. <laughs> um, but there's a reason kids get good at video games, and it's not because they're amazing at them. It's because they just keep going at it because they enjoy it. Yeah, because they, they enjoy, enjoy it. it right. as well. But but that's the, the enjoyment's key. Like, you, enjoy, I guess you, if you enjoy a game enough you will persist through the uncomfortable parts. Because yeah. there's always going to be parts that are hard and you'll persist through them if you enjoy the game as a whole enough. If you don't enjoy a game, you come to a game, you play it for it, but it gets hard, you go, can't be bothered. Don't, you know, I see no value in it, right? I, I, don't, I don't see any point in doing that. Whereas if you really enjoy a game, you go, well, I want to I wanna feel that high of playing the game well. Yeah. So this is getting hard right now. It's uncomfortable, but... But I can figure this out, you know. I can figure this out, and then when I figure it out, I'll be able to keep playing like I did before. And so that's that's what I think kids kids enjoy games because they can. I mean, games are getting so good. Games are getting so good. Like I look at like, and this is not even that long ago, but like when I first started like a PS One, right? And games were right. Yeah. I played like the most recent God of War. I'm not sure if you've played that game. Yeah, it's amazing. Hard. It's it's it's. I mean, I think I might have it there. It's like it's like. A, a completely different I remember playing Goldeneye on the Nintendo 64 yeah. showing my age now yeah um, and I was like this is the the cusp of technology it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't get better than this there's yeah. no way anyone could top this yeah 
and my, my, my colleague, um, Paul, the guy I do recruitment with, um, he bought a VR headset. Oh, yeah. Right, for his son. And so and he brought it to the office. The office is like at the back of his house. Put the, um, they started playing some VR games. It's ridiculous. You're we're doing this uh, one called Elven Assassin, where you're like, you have the two VR handles and you're like clicking buttons and like drawing a, you're drawing a bow and you're shooting orcs as they come to attack a castle. And you can jump on this crossbow and start shooting a crossbow. But you, you, you're in the world. You're looking around like you're inside the world. So that's next level. But even before that, even just like, just the the aesthetic, the finish, the the gameplay of something as recent as God of War. The games are getting so good. You know, people always talk about like, oh, kids are inside too much, they're on screens too much. So I don't blame them. Yeah. The games are amazing. Like, how could you? It's difficult to compete with that. Yeah. Especially once it gets to VR and you're actually going to feel like you're in the game. If you once you get a VR game that is just as intricate as a game yeah. like God of War and has the same finishing graphics. And you're getting feedback into your physical body. Yeah. You're getting haptic feedback into... I mean, you hold a controller, like I've played God of War, when the axe comes back to you and you feel it in your hands. Yeah. Like, imagine that if it's if you're moving around and walking around. Ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So it's like... Um, anyway, all that to say... <laughs> learning. <laughs> yeah, learning, learning. But I, f- I feel like that video games, I think... Maybe video games, it's a little bit easier to be persistent with because there is absolutely no stakes to it at all. Yeah. It's 100% just, it's just your mind. Whereas any sort of game outside of video games, there's, a phys- or there's almost always a physical element to it. So jiu-jitsu, there's, there's stakes to losing. You get, if, you're, if you're getting smashed, you're getting put in really uncomfortable, like physically uncomfortable positions, yeah. right? As well as compounded on top of that is the mental discomfort of losing the game and failing. So maybe that's why it's easier for kids to just slip into video games. Yeah, there's something about that because I've never thought about it as a physical... Because you always think of tapping or let's say you're competing and you lose in jiu-jitsu anyway. You always think of it as a... The loss is a... a you know, it's, it's not a physical thing, but actually the 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 lot the, the feeling of like the actual feeling of someone's neck arm around your neck squeezing or something like that Although I've I've seen that as the reason I lose, I never look at that as the loss itself. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But actually, that is, and that is part of the reason that you know people don't come back to class. Yeah, yeah, they, they get strangled hard, and they've not only failed, but also associate that failure with this horrible feeling on their neck. Yeah. You see, you see it when kids compete. Sometimes you sometimes see it where a kid gets smashed, and they get armbarred or something, and their arm probably hurts it, but their arm's not injured. They're, they're, yeah. they're not injured, but they're like crying because they've lost, and, and they're holding their arm. their arm because that's how they lost. It's like they're, they're more in touch with the fact that like their body was put in that position, yeah. and maybe put in a bit of pain. You know, maybe their arm does hurt a bit, but it's not some sort of you don't need to be holding your arm. Yeah. It's okay, but they're, they're like the mind and the body aren't as separate. They're like I've lost, and my arm hurts, and this is horrible. I don't want to feel this again. Whereas, like, you know, if you die on Fortnite, there isn't the same. No, you hit you hit a button, you're back in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you just, just respawn, respawn, and also, I suppose, everyone's not watching. That's the other thing. You know, yeah, that the families and parents and stuff <laughs> watching as adds to it. But I I find kids kids competing are it's like everything about jujitsu competition is heightened to a million like the losses are bigger the wins are bigger yeah the the competition is more intense but you can look at some black belts fighting 
like you go watch grappling industries go watch like ross nichols compete you'd be like you if you didn't know him you'd be like okay, that's a guy yeah whatever that's yeah. just a dude no one cares about this match right yeah you watch the teens yeah. uh or like the the team blue belts go at it you think these jesus christ like it's live or die yeah in this competition in the crowd as well oh, i like read yeah. the last grappling industries and it was like because new wave had a a big a big troop of kids they actually they i think they won both the the team trophies for the kids on on both gear noe because they had like a solid troop of kids there but all the parents as well right yeah. and you had like a new wave kid versus some other kid from some other school and it's like ah, <laughs> just like the parents on one side ah, parents on the, ah. and like you're saying next to it there could be you know ross nichols versus someone <laughs> and no one's saying anything yeah. like everyone's just watching they're like, gone gone ross yeah nice one yeah good yeah whatever cool oh yeah heel hook nice and then just a couple of like a, a, a weak little applause and then it's on to the next match as the kids everyone's screaming because I don't know I, I guess I guess it's just because there's more people that are invested in them and maybe people feel like they need more encouragement yeah whereas like I, I, I'd look at it and go Ross doesn't need me encouraging him <laughs> you know what I mean like he doesn't need me screaming at him he doesn't like he doesn't need anyone really he can, he can do it but with the kids maybe the parents feel like you know like come on my boy you can do yeah. it sort of thing but yeah I, I don't know I'm not sure if um I'm not sure if competing um, as a child is necessary. Eh? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I guess it's it's good for them, but I feel like it's a part of me feels like it, it might be risky. Like if you had kids and you wanted them to to enjoy jujitsu and do it for a long time, competing could be a hindrance potentially. Yeah, I feel like it's a really it's a really difficult debate. Uh, do you know Tyrese Cunliffers? I've heard the name. Yeah. So he. He is like, he can he tap a lot of black belts and brown belts in this mm. country with a, a disgustingly ease, uh, amount yeah. of ease. Yeah. But he talks about, so he competed all the way up through as a teenager, but he was fighting adults as a teenager because mm. there's essentially no one left for him as a teen. Yep. And it took him, he said, he talks about how it took him a long time because the pressure on him, both personally and how he felt. Not that anyone around him would have been like, I want you to win. No, no, no but there is pressure. But still. there is, there yeah. is. And, and because you've, you've had so much success as well as a child and as a teenager, and especially as a teenager, I feel, because you could be, I feel like you could win up to a point as a child, but as soon as you veer near that teenage period, it's almost, I wouldn't say better to stop, but there's something in your, you're suddenly moving in that gray area between adult and child. Yeah. And I think that is the most dangerous period as such, because like he said, when, and then suddenly it was like when he got handed his first, like a couple of losses, first big loss or like one that he thought actually I should win. And as well as growing as an individual, a lot mm -hmm. during that period, he said it like it, he lockdown happened just afterwards. And he was like, I'm glad I had a period off because I, yeah. I, I needed it. Definitely. Yeah, and it's, it's difficult for kids, man. Yeah, I, th I think that it's like you're saying. Someone, if he's competed as a kid against adults and a teen against adults, it's it's great for jujitsu. Yeah. It gets you used to competing, and it's probably going to make you a better competitor quicker. You know what I mean? Like by the time you're twenty, you're already the sick competitor. Whereas if you start competing at twenty, you're starting your competition journey. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I just well, the reason why I think part of me thinks it's risky is that it does add this intensity and this pressure into the mix which 
which could potentially veer someone away. They yeah. could potentially look and go, like you're saying, the pressure comes and, and it sounds like he's dealt yeah. with it fine and it's not an issue. But some people probably could, that they might sit there and go, you know what, I'm not enjoying this yeah. anymore. Well, he talks about the fact that he said, I fell in love after some time off and some time just training. I fell back in love with it again. That makes sense. That makes sense. And and it's it's just interesting. I just look at it and go, obviously, I I don't have kids. I've never really been responsible for a kid's team competing or anything like that. But but yeah, it's just an interesting thought because I look at it and go, maybe maybe it's best to just teach kids the skills and have them rolling, obviously. Get them rolling you know and learn the skills and enjoying it and making it fun right up until their sort of late teens and and, and by that time I and mean, if you go and compete then you've started your competitive journey but you're not a beginner no you've got a sick skill set you've got good conditioning and now you can start to build up the mentality you need to compete um maybe they should just do like gym visits so like yeah. you take your like the new wave kids go and visit another gym yeah well, kids. maybe it's just that the kids competition shouldn't be taken seriously yeah. maybe that's what it is maybe kids should compete like you're saying in, in interclubs and stuff but it shouldn't be like it's like who cares yeah. you know what I mean like because ultimately because ultimately who cares right yeah. like it's a, like a, if, if you if can you, won, you name any kid that won the world no nah, exactly <laughs> it's like it's, it's not it's not important until you're an adult really obviously it's important for the child and it's important yeah. for the people around the kids and and you know it can be good for the school it's you're still winning a competition but as an athlete in terms of your journey your wins at, as a 10 year old are not what that you care shit, about yeah. yeah once you get to 21 you're not going to be telling people oh yeah i won when i was 10 or you might but people are going to be like okay cool have you done anything since yeah. like no they, well they talk the same way they talk about amateur records right yes like you hit zero and zero when you turn pro yeah yeah and that's actually I remember the piece of advice so Matt Toa is the the head coach of Hammerhead MMA back in, in Dunedin and he um, the the one piece of advice he gave me when I left um, was don't rush to go pro he said once you go pro you go pro and like you're saying it resets and you start your pro career but you only get one chance to go pro so he said have a lot of fights fight amateur you know get 10 15 fights just keep fighting fight like you i I believe you sort of want to fight until you feel like well this is becoming a drag now i'm really used to this then go pro rather than like have a few fights hit a peak do a bit do a bit well and then go pro because it's like well you you, you know, you might have only had five fights and you might end up pro against some guy from the States who's had like 25 amateur yeah. fights and it could be his first pro fight. And the level of amateur competition, especially here. I yeah. mean, we we look at, uh, oh, I've forgotten the guy's name now. Uh, the guy who's like fighting for, I think it's one or Bama, Mokayev, or, who's won like okay. Mohammed, the guy who, he, he won like uh, the... You know, they have the unified where they have like Team England for MMA. They have like an amateur. Oh, the, the IMF. IMF. IMF yeah. He won like IMF. Like when we have people who win it. Oh, you mean um, um, Muhadin? That's it. Muhadin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we have people like that who are kind of, who you're seeing who's like, I can't remember, he's had a ridiculous amount of amateur <laughs> fights, like yeah. in their te- high teens, if not 20s. Yeah. Like people, if people are testing themselves to that degree, and everyone wants to go pro, right? Because everyone wants to be the next Conor McGregor. Yeah. But 
those people who have spent time and it's even easier now if you if you're starting you know mma is isn't what it uh, is much better now than what it used to be like you can start mma your mma career if you want as a teenager like yeah and you could theoretically fight as a teenager now like if yeah. you really want to as an amateur you could you could spend years and years up to your mid-teens, mid-teens late teens yeah. late teens even your early 20s if you really want to depends yeah. how many fights you've got to at that point yeah like progressing and building up that experience because I think similar to I only use the example of jujitsu because well we use what we got but anyone who's got to a considerable amount of time in jujitsu knows that there's peaks and troughs yeah it's never an upward scale consistently no. and I think people like you say get to that upward scale they go, they they go five and oh and they yeah. go pro and then and then suddenly the they're like oh wait and it's because they're coming up to people who, against people when they hit pro of going who've already done all of that peak and chopping. Yeah. And that's that's again, I guess, comes back to what I was saying before about persisting with the game and and being able to enjoy the wins and the losses. Like if, if you've seen that up and down, you've lost fights and you're okay with that, then you go pro and you're prepared for it to be the same thing. And listen, if you go pro and you go twenty and zero as a pro, it's fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's not many people that do do that. But if you do that, that's great. Chances are you're going to lose some fights. Yeah. Right, you, you, you're going to end up against some guys, you're going to lose some fights for one reason or another. So you've got to be prepared for that. And if your amateur career was you went 6-0, and went pro, then in your mind you're like, I just win fights. Yeah. And it's, again, not to say those guys can go pro, do well, maybe lose some fights, recover. It's not like this, obviously it's not like a given thing, but this guy, Matt Toa's advice anyway was, yeah. don't rush into going pro. Because you don't know how you, people don't know how they react to losing. Yes, yeah. And, you you need to know how you feel. It's it's very sim- easy to go. Oh, well, I'll shrug it off. Yeah. But there is a like we were, you were saying before about you, sometimes it's harder to um, separate the mental from the physical. Mm. It's it's not as easy as people think to be able to shrug it off. Maybe a jujitsu competition is like oh well it's, I'm ba- it's easier with jujitsu. Yeah, I, I'm back down at the Brighton Open next week. It's all good. Yeah. But if you lost in the May fight, unless you begin to understand how that feels and to and to be able to learn from it and like you say to play the game again some people it really messes with their 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 psychology yeah because you can feel mentally strong but if you hit a a breaking point you don't know how to to, you don't have the tools that you've learned from your amateur career to continue to to learn from that and to just be able to progress forward you're done yeah, yeah. Well, it's, well, it's going to be it's going to be very much, difficult. Yeah, very, very difficult. You're going to have a again. It doesn't need. It doesn't mean you're necessarily done. It just means you're going to have a big hurdle to cross, and maybe you'll cross it, maybe you won't. But um, yeah, I think it was good advice. He said people will ask you to go pro. Don't rush into it. Just take your time as an amateur. Speaking of IMF, actually, um, the same guy Matt Toa hit me up last weekend. And I'm going to be going to. Well, I'm still finding some details, but it looks like I'm going to go to Dubai end of January for the IMF Worlds. Awesome. Yeah. Competing for New Zealand. New Zealand. That's yeah. awesome. Hopefully you don't come up against anyone team England. I'll feel <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll feel conflicted. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean I'm I'm not allowed to compete for Team England. So I'm not, I'm oh, not, I'm not yeah. English, right? So I'm not, I'm not allowed to. Um but I would let you. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Yeah. <laughs> if Hassan was in charge. Yeah, exactly. You'd let anyone in. Um but yeah, so so Team New Zealand, um looking forward to that. I mean, obviously I'm I'm sort of not thinking about that too much right now. Yeah. I've got this fight to to get to get um, done, but then that'll be good as well. Is that shin pads? It is, isn't it? Right? There is shin pads, yeah. But it's it's no headgear. Don't think it's headgear. Yeah. No. 
it's because it's I've seen some of those because there's like continuous what I quite like about it is that because it's a tournament like people fight multiple times across like across a couple a of days yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and you also wear rash guards yes you you're, do you're, yeah. you're not topless um, which isn't really a big deal in terms of the the actual playing of the, the of the sport but um but it is different in terms of the fact that it's less it's 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 trying to be less like some sort of a fight show and yeah. it's more like this is a sport right yeah. true they, they want to get in the olympics that's why that's why i'm after doing all these sorts of events they're trying to standardize everything so that hopefully they can have a case to go to the olympic committee and say look we have this sport we want to have it in the olympics that'd be great that'd be, be, be that great if, if, if if we can see that in our lifetime I mean, we saw karate, and it, although it's not going to be there, I think on the next one, is it not? Is I've it might because like a country can bring one in, and then I think depending on how successful it is. So like Japan brought in karate right. and what was it? Karate, uh, skateboarding, surfing, and I think it BMX or something. Yeah, they that's it. Yeah, BMX stuff. Yeah, and I think it might move on to then the next Olympics, which would be Paris. And then I think from that point on, it's either you get like a one year or a two year lease and then maybe it'll kind of depend on, I guess, how successful it is. Yeah. It stays. Because I think Mutai have put in a the couple of times yeah. for like Olympic accreditation. I mean, it'd be awesome. Imagine just like mm-hmm. having uh, having teammates and having friends and especially in a community so small as like MMA in the UK. Yeah. It'd be, and you'd, the money. Yeah. It's just the money. The money gets pumped into the sport at the moment. There's an opportunity to get Olympic gold. And even the prestige of like, because there's something about, if, if we're talking about having like, you know, belts or medals or things, a gold medal in the Olympics, no matter what sport you're oh. in, if you're like, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, anyone you talk to is going to be like, oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's that's an achievement. And then without even asking what you competed in, they'd be like, damn, best mm-hmm. in the world at something. Whereas if you say, I'm IBJJF world champ. Who cares? Well, anyone who knows yeah. cares. Like, if you know about the sport, then you go, "Damn, that's that's, that's pretty good." But like, you other people would be like, "What's IBJJF?" Yeah, if you're telling your barber, they're not gonna. Know. Yeah, they're like, oh, cool, world champ. But then, and there's this real reason why as well, because some some competitions call themselves world champs, and you look at it and go, "This isn't the world champs." Yeah, like you know, you know what I mean. Like, you get a competition that's like, I don't know, just 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 somewhere in the rural UK, and they're like, "We're the world champs," and you're like, "Okay." sure <laughs> yeah and someone go i'm world champion it's like you're not like you're really not you know and so <clears throat> olympics just brings that like that prestige into being able to win an olympic medal yeah i mean uh it's funny you say that because i can't i i don't follow boxing that well mm. but there was someone had recently won one of the many boxing belts at his uh right, his yeah. weight class and he was walking through manchester united arena and apparently the like no one he was like oh i'm now a, well one of the world boxing champions at my weight class no one recognized him the only person who did recognize him ha- happened to be because tyson fury was walking through at the same time when right. oh how's it feel to be a world champion which apparently made his day and at least there was something positive out of that but imagine like that even even i mean i i find it baffling the fact that there are so many belts in boxing but like even you, you can be a boxing world champion and people just like you. yeah exactly yeah. well i mean we're nearly we're nearly we're getting towards two hours so oh, yeah far out i know time's flying this is what happens when you get two talkers yeah <laughs> um so before we delve into 
cows and we start talking about herds and cows and stuff. Um, we're going to move on to the final bit of the interview, which is like a quick fire round. A quick fire round. Quick fire Oof. round. It's like, Precious yes. On. The thing is, is because we're both talkers, there'll probably loads of rambling off on yeah, yeah. answers. We'll try, we'll try and bring it in. We'll see, we'll see how we go. Um, so let's get started. Asai, yay or nay? Yay. All the toppings, everything. Just whatever. Whatever. Yeah, just anything. There was apples in the last one I had, which was strange, but I just ate the apple and then ate that. So yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I don't mind an apple, but oh, I, yeah, I, I, like, I wasn't going to mix it I'm in. Just, no, I'm not going to mix it in. I'll just eat it. Mm. Uh, oh, this good one. Uh, ADCC champion or UFC champion? Which one do you take? UFC champion, I think. Yeah? yeah. Any reasons why? I just think, I think I'd prefer it. I think yeah. I'd prefer to be UFC champ than ADCC champ. Um, I think ADCC champ's probably, yeah, less concussions along the way, to be fair. So pro probably actually the better route to take would be ADCC <laughs> champ. But if, if it's like hypothetical, UFC yeah. champ for sure. It's hard. I, I, I couldn't decide between the two because I think there's, there, there's more turnover on the UFC champ side True, yeah. Like, well, maybe not so much, actually. But well, you, you think you could be UFC champ and lose it in like four months. True. Whereas if you're ADCC champ, champ, you hold it for two years. Right? And I think because jiu-jitsu is still, even though ADCC has been around for a relative while now, hmm. um, in terms of jiu-jitsu anyway, it's like throughout the history of Jap uh, BJJ and grappling, there seems to be, it feels like more prestige in the sense of, I think because you're you're on the footsteps of all the people who've like come before you, yeah. but then I think over time that might kind of become more like the UFC level. There's yeah. been so many UFC champs. Yeah, it might be easier to monetize UFC championship as well. True. Maybe. Got to think of the career, haven't we? Yeah, we got to think about what can I do with it. <laughs> uh, is there one thing? Do you have a hidden talent, or is there one thing people don't know about you? Hidden talent. I can complete a three by three Rubik's cube. Can you? Yeah. I wish I had a Kubik's cube, a Rubik's cube on me now. Yeah, I, I, so I can do that. It takes me like just under two minutes, but I've been completely shown up by um, one of the one of the kids at um, a good friend of mine's kid, Nikolai. He 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 learned the three by three like in the last few months, and now it's just smashing it out in like under thirty seconds. He's got like four by fours. He's got like nine by nines. He's got all these cubes. And he's just like completing them. And I'm just like, man, I thought it was good for me able to just complete it, but he's gone next level. So. Go away, Nicola. I can choke you out. <laughs> yeah, just just protect my ego with my jiu-jitsu. <laughs> um, favorite competition rule set? Ooh, uh, oh, definitely. Um, if like if it's grappling, definitely submission only, no time limit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, person you love to train with? Ooh. Do you know what? Um, the guy where the grappler I always looked up to was Dean Lister. Oh really? Yeah, Mr. Festalista. I like that. He's um, he's such. I mean, just personality-wise, he's just such an unusual character. But he's yeah. like a fascinating one when you look at jujitsu as well. I like the fact that his like he would always prioritize being comfortable in submissions. Yeah, he always had this thing where he was like up until the end of his career where he got finished a few times, which made me sad. He um he was just like. I need, I'm comfortable everywhere. He's in darses, he's in arm bars, he's in whatever, and he's just like, no, nah, it's cool. I'm not like, you can't tap me. He would lose matches, but people would really struggle to tap him. Mm. And then obviously he would also, he was one of the pioneers of leg locks, which are, leg locks are not like 
my favorite thing or anything but but the fact that he was thinking outside the box i liked he was going counter to the the mainstream of like you know ibjj for whatever yeah. he was like no just do whatever works he was punk yeah exactly yeah yeah he just just do whatever works you know i i i put him in that same kind of in in the pie chart of jujitsu, I almost put him in the same uh, realm as like the Josh Barnett's mm. kind of like yeah. It's just a different way of jujitsu, and I I do like that about him. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to change this one because you don't drink coffee. I'm gonna put tea of choice because I it's usually yeah. caffeine of choice unless you drink energy drinks. No, no I thought not. Tea of choice. Um, probably a peppermint tea. You know. Yeah. yeah I like it's tea. refreshing. Yeah, yeah. It's like. A, refreshing yeah, yeah it's just like like having a mint but it's like a tea yeah well the thing is is mint tea has that thing of like you don't want to have it too close to jujitsu and my nan always thought that mint tea could fix any ailment yeah. i'm not sure it could it's basically just water it's just it's basically it's just, just warm water it's just like. hot water <laughs> yeah, yeah i feel like the same thing would happen if i had hot water yeah basically which may hey, maybe hot water saves some ailments maybe it helps a bit but i used to work in a restaurant and uh that summer i was like a teenager and it was a barbecue restaurant so you can imagine like big hot grills just sweating out like the entire shift uh and this uh this chef said to me he was like he had like a mug and i was like you drinking hot drink he said yeah i'm drinking hot hot water and he said it's a good thing to have when you're hot he said you shouldn't drink lots of cold water like i don't drink lots of cold water i drink either tepid water or warm water really yeah interesting it goes against my intuition but yeah, but yeah. It, it goes against everything i know yeah but then they say you shouldn't when you're cold you shouldn't ever drink kind of like if you've got a bottle of water like plastic water found this out the other day that apparently if you put a plastic bottle on a fire but with like water inside it, it won't melt the plastic i believe this i'm wait i've, I've got to test, test it, it. Yeah, i've yeah. got to test this series so please like t's and c's like yeah. don't I'm not responsible for anyone. Hassan told me. Yeah. And then the house burnt down. You know, Hassan, come on. Well, that's your fault for making a a fire in the middle of a house, but okay. Fair fair enough, yeah. Um, But yeah, that you shouldn't drink cold water. If you've got like water on you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't allow it to be cold when you're drinking it. If it's cold weather, because it it actually lowers your body, flushes the water out because it's cold water. Right. Interesting. Hmm. Theories. Yeah. Uh, Walkout song? Uh, varies. Probably going to be touched by Vast. Okay. What has it been previously? Lots of things. I walked out to 46 and 2 by Tool. I walked out to Reflections by... Um, oh, the name of the band just escaped me now. <laughs> Tahuna Breaks. Um, I've walked out to Long Highway by the Jezebels. I feel like you pick more to your taste rather than anything that I just, might I just yeah. pick a song that I like yeah I just pick a song that I like I prefer that like I, 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 I literally had um, when I walked out to Reflections by Tahuna Breaks I literally was listening to that song on the way to the fight yeah and I was like I, I, I was gonna walk out to some other song and I was like I'm gonna walk out to this actually and I like my brother was at home and I was like bro can you like can you email me the song so I can put it on the thing and, da, 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 and he, he did it and I got it it's just like if I if I feel like that song, I'm gonna walk out to that song yeah. sort of thing. I think it, I prefer that. I like it when a, a song shows like a fighter's personality as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you can move out to like can't be touched by like or, or, what's the guy's name, the boxer. 
Um, uh, no, not no, Levin. No, the, the, the guy who's like got his hands behind his back. Yeah. Uh, oh. I've forgotten his name now. Dang. We're clearly not boxers. No, we're not. Anyway, that, that, anyway, that yeah. song, right? Yeah. You could walk out to that and it's like, all right, okay. Fair enough. A fighting song, yeah. I mean, he was super flamboyant anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is an interesting one. Advice you wish you gave yourself, your younger self? Depends how younger. If it was like younger than 18, I'd say start jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> if I was talking to my 14-year-old self, I'd be like, stop this basketball stuff. This is nonsense. You don't even do that. Just start doing jujitsu. No, you might have a, a, a flourishing basketball career ahead of you. Maybe, yeah. I never, I never saw it that way. <laughs> um, younger, again, I'd probably say do gymnastics. Uh, gymnastics is one like of those ones. Where... Five years old, and I can convince my five-year-old self to do gymnastics. I would just do that probably until I'm fifteen before starting jiu-jitsu. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally speaking, like probably just don't stress about stuff that much, you know. Just and that, that's like pretty, pretty yeah. basic advice that you give as you it's get older. One, you start to realize, like, oh, actually, I was stressing about some stuff I don't need to stress about because I've seen it now. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. So just like, just relax about that. It's cool. Just enjoy yourself. Everything's not that big of a deal as it seems. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's just advice for adults as well. It's advice for everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you, you do pick it up in some aspects of life. There's always other aspects of life where you don't have that clocked, but some things you've picked it up and you go, I don't need to stress about that as yeah. much. That's, yeah, okay. that's all right. Yeah. Um, and then the final question is, if someone were to play you in a movie, who would it be and Ooh. what kind of movie would it be? Ooh. Do you know what? I really like, um, and this isn't necessarily the most accurate, but I really like Mads Mikkelsen. Oh yeah, he's very Mads cool. Mikkelsen. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like I've got a bit of a villain face, and he does too. You could, yeah, you maybe if you because doesn't he have white hair? Or he, he does. He does. He does. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I've got darker features than him. Yeah. Definitely. If you dyed your hair white, I could see you as a villain. Yeah, yeah. So he definitely him, and um, probably just some some psychopathic thriller. Would be, which is just what I, I see him being. I, are you the 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 protagonist or the antagonist in this? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the one of those movies with the lines are blurred. You know. Okay. Just keep it interesting. Just keep it interesting. Yeah. Just big question mark at the end of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So probably him. Uh, to be honest, it was just. I'm not sure if you've seen the series Hannibal. Yes. Probably one of my favourite series, and his like I, I knew of him before that, but that made me really like really like his acting i know it's like well it's a big movie but him in bond has been one of my favorite like yeah just i just love it it's just yeah. he's great they they smash whenever there's some uh, an actor coming from like the nordic region all that nordic like noir i love it mm. I, I haven't seen much of it but actually speaking of my, my dad again he's he he loves him he recommends it he's like <clears throat> told me multiple times to to watch that stuff yeah like the original uh girl with the dragon tattoos here um and that kind of thing. i think i have seen that one actually yeah, yeah that's yeah. very good yeah, it's dark it's very messed up real dark <laughs> but very good yeah uh well on a more lighter note um thanks very much for coming on man it's thanks for having me. we it's been much delayed <laughs> yeah. but we finally got here and what a time to get here two weeks before you fight and yeah. best of luck dude thank you I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. To keep up to date with all our latest stuff, follow us at The Prodigy Podcast on Instagram.